0: So I'm going to preach this morning from Isaiah 60, continuing where I was last week, but um, I, I just think we, we desperately need the Lord. Yeah. We really need the Lord, and um, we need the Lord in this hour like we never have, and um, I'm trying not to get ahead of myself, but I think we have a tremendous opportunity right now to arise and shine and be spirit-filled believers in a time when the world needs spirit-filled believers. It's like, that's why, that's why Paul wrote in Romans that all of creation is waiting with expectation for the sons of God to be made manifest. In other words, the whole planet is waiting for sons and daughters of God to live like their sons and daughters of God. And, and, and listen, you're, and, and I'm not talking about writing a passive aggressive Facebook post saying, I'm, a believer in my church had service today. Like, that's not what I'm talking about, okay? Because that's not what Christianity is. Christianity is taking care of the least of these. Christianity is going and getting alone with your father and not coming out of that room until he says it's okay to leave that room, okay? It's following him day in and day out. And what happens is is the Lord begins to change your heart and you begin to live this stuff out. And that's why in Isaiah 60, it's Isaiah 60 verses 1. Uh, I'm going to read the first two verses, and I'll hit verse 3 later on. But verse, verse 1, it says this, Arise, Shine, for your light has come, and the glory of God and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness will cover the earth, and deep darkness the peoples. But the Lord will rise upon you, and His glory will appear upon you. Now, again, I read this for years, and it wasn't—it's because I wasn't paying close enough attention. But when I thought "arise and shine, your light has come," I had always assumed that Isaiah was writing about Jesus. And, and, and I'm incorrect. He was writing to his church. He was writing to Zion, actually, in this. He was write, writing to his people. And I believe if there ever was a time for his church to rise and shine, it's this hour right now. All right. So the word arise, arise means to stand up, to come about, to be empowered. I mean, understand this, the Lord never asks you to stand up without empowering you to stand up, okay? And so it's like I don't know how I'm going to get through this. He will give you strength because he is your strength, all right? I don't know what I'm going to do. He's just going to help. It means to strengthen and it means to engage in battle. Now, I believe this. I think there's a time to, to run around and rebuke and do all this type of stuff. And we may do some of that. I don't know. But but I think engaging in battle is simple as this. Going and get alone with the Lord. And actually what we modeled here before we even started service this morning from 9.30 to 10. When we just begin to bless the name of the Lord. When we begin to bless him and worship him and honor him. A lot of the stuff that we try to fight in our day-to-day lives actually begins to get defeated just by us Blessing the Lord, and it makes no sense at all because I'm like I'm gonna roll up my sleeves, I'm gonna go fist the cuffs, right? And the Lord's like, if you would just submit to me, is what he wrote, and or what James wrote, submit to God, res- this, resist the devil, and he will flee. I think it's all about submitting to God, and then you don't have to stress out about. Um, uh, you submit to God, then you don't have to worry about resisting the devil, and then he gets bored and he ends up fleeing. It's all about surrendering your life to Jesus. That's it. It's, it's moment by moment by moment surrender. I get leery when we're sometimes too enemy conscious. We get leery more like there's a devil under every rock. And, and while I, I understand what you're saying. I'm like, man, just worship the Lord and give him your attention. And then some of the stuff that we mess around with, we won't mess around with anymore. Because the battle is not yours. It belongs to the Lord. All right? So so the word shine, arise, so stand up, be empowered, and shine means be in a state of light. How do I become in a state of light? Well, you have Christ in you, the hope of glory. You have Jesus, the one that personifies light in and it of itself. He it says to be in a state of light. It means to cause light to come from. It means to look with favor. In other words, it's just meant just, just be aware that he's in you and and shine that light and I said this last week like, like this is just a pet peeve but that song we teach our kids this little light of mine there is nothing little about that light that's inside of you and so I'm not going to teach them there's a little light in you because there's a light that sprung forth of his mouth at 186,000 miles per second when he said let there be light that's a big light that's continuing to be brought forth that's continuing to emanate if you will and so there's nothing nothing small about it. It's time to shine. It's time to rise. So last week, I feel like some of us, myself included, I think some of us, we've been living our lives laying down on the job. (laughs) And it's it's like, you know, the Lord's just, it's just time to live this stuff out, man. It's time for us to get filled with light and marvelous light and allow ourselves to shine. And so how, how do we do that in this hour? Well, I, I believe the way that we respond to what's going on right now determines, determines if people actually see the light we carry. I mean, let me say this. Like, let, me, let me actually just read. How we respond in times of crisis and darkness can be the difference between revival or not. How we respond in times of crisis and darkness can be the difference between revival or no revival and, and so it 's like it 's it's, it's like this like we can be like and, and hear me i think there 's you need to be wise, you need to be wise, but you need not be filled with fear okay and so so we as a people need. To to live with hope and expectation. I heard a, a one of my favorite preachers recently said that everything is good or it's about to be, <laughs> and it's like it's just living my life with that expectation that it's going to work out because he has promised that all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. It doesn't mean we're not going to go through trials and tribulations. I would say that this is a tribulation right now. I'm just like I'm just going to say that. But it is not bigger than our God, right? It is not bigger than Jesus. And so he has the power to get us through. He has the power to stop it right here and right now. And we're going to believe that he wants to and desires to. But I'm saying right now in this hour, the world is looking at believers, looking for hope they may not be looking for a believer. Let me rephrase that. They may, they're looking all around. They're surfing the Internet. They're, they're surfing newspapers. They're looking around for someone that's filled with hope. And surprise, that's you all. And that's everyone that's watching today. That's all of us. They're looking for people with hope. Now, it's not just, now they're not looking for people with stupidity. Okay, stupidity is not a gift of the Spirit. That's why we need to be wise. But but I, I'm saying like when everyone's like, oh, it's going to hell in a handbasket, we can be like, well... It's not the ideal situation, but we know that He is in control and He is in charge and He knows what's going on. We believe He's good. We caught that spontaneously a little bit ago. We believe He's good. We believe His love endures forever. We believe His mercies are new every morning so we have a reason to be filled with hope. I mean, He conquered death, hell, and the grave so we can be optimistic about what's going to happen. Does so that make sense? So they're, they're looking, they're looking for hope. Verse two, I think it kind of adequately describes what's going on right now. It says, For behold, darkness will cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. Isn't that wild, by the way, that there's darkness on the earth, but there's a greater level of darkness that's upon people? And I actually think that's a prophetic picture of there's stuff going on in the world. But then everyone's really, really scared to death and they're filled with fear and almost a like crippling fear, if that makes sense. And so it's a deeper darkness that's on the people. But, but the Lord, I love that when the Lord puts butts in there, but the Lord will rise upon you and his glory will appear before you. And so, here's this picture of what's happening in the earth. And Isaiah says, yeah, it's dark. Isaiah prophesies, it's dark, it's bad. It's not only bad on the earth, it's bad on the people. But guess what? His light is going to come upon you. And you're going to have the opportunity to shine that light. And, and I quoted this verse just a minute ago, John 16, it says, I think the New Testament correlation to that verse is Jesus said, I've spoken these things to you so that in me you may have peace. You have, you, in this world you have tribulation, but take courage, I have overcome the world. He, he said you can have peace. In the midst of all this going on, in the midst of a toilet paper crisis, right? You, you can have peace. <laughs> I, I've, I've never seen anything like it. I'll just be, I'll be honest. I went to the grocery store Thursday, was there three hours. And it wasn't because I was laying hands and praying on people. It was like, it was just that crowded. And I let, waited in line to pay for 45 minutes. And we weren't like Y2K stocking up. <laughs> like like we, were, we were just getting necessities for the house, and it was ridiculous. And then, when again yesterday, and I texted April a picture of the meat, and there was there was nothing there. I thought, my word, people are in a tizzy. People are in a tizzy. And and again, I say, get what your family needs. Get what your family needs. But take care of those that need help as well. Okay, don't panic. Don't freak out. Je- Jesus isn't up there. Biting his nails, <laughs> like, he's not. Some of y'all chew your nails in this room. <laughs> it, it's, Jesus is not doing that. Right now, I'm gonna. Right now, everyone's rushing to buy TP and cleaning supplies, and I get it, and I understand it. Thinking it's the end of the world. And while I don't necessarily know if it's the end or not, I, I, I actually think it's, it's probably not. I'm, I'm, like, I'm careful to say yes or no, but he says stuff like this in his word, that the kingdoms of our God, or the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our Christ. And I'm sorry, I totally butchered the verse. Mulligan. The kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. And in the Old Testament, it says that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will begin to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. I believe that it could come, but I'm just saying I'm not. I think think this. I really believe this and I I believe rather than questioning is it the end or is it not the end I think we're much better off to saying you know what it's all right. let's just point to Jesus and say that I know a savior that can heal you save you deliver you set free and if you're on this earth for another 50 years praise the Lord hallelujah if it's five more minutes praise the Lord hallelujah it's like we, we we point people to the storm which is what I see a lot online we're pointing people to the storm instead of the one that can rescue them from the storm and Our job is to point people to the rescuer, okay? Uh, That was good. It's not time to panic. It's not time to be afraid. It's time to rise and shine. Verse 3 says this. Nations, I love this, nations will come to you. Who will they come to? Those that rise and shine. Nations will come to you. It's not talking about coming to Jesus. It's talking about coming to people that have Jesus living inside of them. It says, nations will come to your light and, to, and the kings and kings to the brightness of your rising. So, so here's this picture of it says nations. Well, what does nations mean? Does it mean Turkey, Iraq, Iran will come? Well, it, it, it means that, but most realistically what it means, it means the Gentiles. It means people that are not Jewish will begin to come to you. It means that people are, who, you have to excuse this wording, but heathens, pagans, that's the way that word. People, gentile people who are not Jewish will begin to come to see the light. People that don't know Christ will begin to come because they see a light coming from a company of people that are saying, come to hell or high water, I'm still going to have hope and believe that He's still good and believe that He's still reigning and ruling from His throne, right? It means that they will come, which means they will travel, they'll take, they'll come about. They will begin to not only come about, but they will begin to live for they will begin to exist for they'll begin to receive what does it mean to exist for and to re- means they'll begin to not only live their life when they come to light they'll begin to exist for the light that comes from you. what does that mean? it means that it means that in the beginning was the Word the Word was God and the Word was with God John chapter one right and then John 1 also says that 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 they have the light that in him was the light, and that light was the life of And it means that we all have this degree of light that if someone gets, they'll receive vitality. Zoe life is what that means in John chapter 1. And so when they begin to live for, it means that you are carrying a light that if someone encounters that light, they'll go, man, I'm going to give my life to that light that's inside of you. And it's not you they're giving your life to. It's Christ Jesus in you, the hope of glory. And so I'm saying if we live this stuff out, man, I'll back up. I'm slobbering this morning. (laughs) I need need one of those like police masks, right? (laughs) One of them shields. (laughs) I'm saying there's a degree of light that we can live with. You don't have to try for it. You just let it be. Our response to the beginning, by beginning to rise and shine in this hour, determines if those who don't know Jesus will end up coming to Jesus. in a weighty thought. My response to knowing I have him, and knowing that he said, Michael, arise and shine, for your light has come. And who's my light? It's Jesus. My response to that declaration and decree of the Lord determines if someone else will actually get to see or hear the gospel. It's like, it's like some of us don't like being in charge because we don't like responsibility. I actually, I sent this out in the email this week, or the, the little blast of people. like we, April 9th, we've pastored churches through flooding, like flash flooding, severe flooding, like, like four or five feet of flooding. You can't leave your house flooding. We've pastored through tornadoes where we've had everyone huddled into a little tiny room in the church. Some of y'all from Kansas have probably rushed into a room and there's warnings. We have, we have pastored through hurricanes when we were in Louisiana where we had to cancel because there was actual hurricane hitting where we were. And this, But this is the first time we've ever had to make any decisions when there's a global pandemic. It's like, put that on a resume. (laughs) I'm just saying, sometimes sometimes we have to make decisions that's hard. And we just do the best we absolutely can. But the way we respond in those moments determines whether or not people's going to see Jesus. And I'm I'm telling you, all of you guys can. All of you guys can. So, point number one. (laughs) This is a good introduction. I'll go through this a little quicker. Um, uh, this is not a time to be, someone said sure. This is not a time to be afraid. It's just not a time to be afraid. My favorite psalm, I share this Wednesday night, is Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, who will say to the Lord, I will. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, in God in whom I trust. For it is he who delivers you from the snare of the trapper and from the deadly pestilence. Pestilence translates as as sickness, disease, or even pandemic. He who saves you from the pandemic. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you may seek refuge. He's safe. His faithfulness is a shield and bulwark. You will not be afraid of the terror by night or of the arrow that flies by day or of the pestilence, the pandemic that stalks in the darkness or of the destruction that lays waste at noon. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not approach you. I want to stop right there. I, I, I think it would behoove each and every one of you to read that out loud in your house every day read it till you believe it read it till you know it to be true that he delivers he will save me from this deadly pestilence he will save my loved ones from this deadly pestilence a thousand may fall by my side and ten thousand at my right hand but it will not come near my dwelling you start to believe that and it's like and it's like well that sounds a little crazy well that that's fine but I'm going to believe the word of the Lord, okay? And I'm not being silly. I'm not being stupid. I'm saying like, if, if, if I believe that I can lay hands on the sick and they recover, then I'm going to believe He's going to take care of us in this moment, okay? So I'm just saying, like we say, like we believe that Matthew 6, 10, your will be done on earth it is in heaven. And so we just want to pray and believe and declare. And sometimes you've got to talk yourself into believing. Sometimes you've got to say the word of the Lord so much that he fills you with perfect love and there's no room for that fear any longer. And so it's like it starts to build your confidence and and it's like well, well how do I make sure I'm taken care of? Well he starts off by saying I will say to the Lord you are my refuge and you are my strength. Now, if, if, if the Lord's not your refuge and your strength, I, I don't know what to tell you. I'm saying it would be, probably behoove you to go ahead and make Him that, all right? So begin to tell Him that. Begin to, mean it. begin to take ownership of it, if you will. Now, this is also a time, and by the way, I think this is a value of the church as well, no matter what comes, because how many understand that probably next year there's going to be something else that happens? In this world, you'll have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world, right? All right, so, so, so it's like when something else happens, all right, praise the Lord, hallelujah. We're going to not change what we believe. All right. it doesn't matter what the winds do. I'm just going to believe him. Now, this is also a time to go deeper and further into the Lord. Ezekiel 40, forty-seven. The further the river gets from the altar, the the deeper the waters get. I believe the Lord's calling us deeper. I, I actually been praying this over and over and over. I've been saying to the Lord, "No more Sunday morning Christianity," and I've been praying that every single day. And not just with me. Like I feel like I'm, I'm I want to go deeper in the Lord. I feel like I'm not Sunday only. Oh, But I'm saying, Lord, may your church begin to move beyond Sundays only. May your bride begin to be obsessed with you. May your bride begin to go deeper and further than you than it's ever went, God. Lord, would you begin to stir up a hunger in people's bellies for more of you? Would you begin to give them a thirst that only gets quenched when they come to you, when they come to the waters that only you can provide? I'll tell you this, some of you have probably been miserable lately. I think it's because the Lord's answering my prayers in that. Because you're looking around for all kinds of stuff to satisfy you. And he's just like, come to me. He's, um, listen, listen. it's time to go deeper than we've ever been. It's time to go further than you've ever been. And it's not about striving, it's about growing in intimacy with him. Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it, and they are safe. Let me read the passion of it real quick. The character of God is a tower of strength. The character of God is a tower of strength. For the lovers of God delight to run into his heart and be exalted on high. A life well lived speaks much louder than shouting online. A life surrendered to Jesus speaks much louder than typing in all caps on social media. What does it look like? I think a life well lived, if, if this is me and this is me. <laughs> much to my dismay sometimes, but no, I'm kidding. This, if this is me and this is the Lord. It's me going. <laughs> staying right here. This is the definition of a white life well lived. I'm, it's just staying with him. It's like, well, what about serving? What about doing all these? Things? You will do those things if you stay right here. That's right. He'll begin to whisper to you. I think why the Lord likes to whisper. It says in 1 Kings, I think it's, I think it's 1 Kings, it says in 1 Kings that the Lord didn't come in a thunder, he didn't come the light, he didn't come in an earthquake, he came in a whisper. You know why I believe he likes to whisper? Because he doesn't have to shout, because he's near. If you learn to live in the awareness that he's near, he begins to whisper and speak to you what you need to do. And so you run to him because he's safe. It's like that illustration we use, like April and I had a rescue dog several years ago. And, and, and every time we'd call that dog near, that that dog would recoil because its previous owners had beat the tar out of it. And some of us are scared to death. If we've run to the Lord that, that he's going to get us. And he's not a God that's waiting to backhand you. He's a God that's standing there with his arms wide open, ready to embrace you and smother you with kisses. By the way, that's Luke 15. When the son returned, he smothered him with kisses. The son was trying to give a rehearsed speech that he thought about. You ever give a, By the way, you ever went to, to apologize to someone and you've rehearsed what story you're going to tell them when you go to do it, right? <laughs> Maybe that's just me. And like, I'm going to say point 0.1, point 0.2, point 0.3. And if I'm on a phone call, sometimes I write bullet lists so I make sure I say everything on the phone call I need to make. So the son has this rehearsed story, and the father, and the, he's trying to get the story out, and the father's just smothering him with kisses. He's like, I'm not even listening to what you're saying. I'm just glad you're home. <laughs> See, he's safe, and if you run to him, you'll learn that he's safe. All right. <clears throat> Good, thank you, Lord. And I believe this is a time to believe the Lord for revival, and like the, the, this, this is the biggest challenge. When the world goes to the hell in a handbasket, this is when we really need to press in and believe the Lord that He's about to do something amazing. I think it's, we need to do what one of my favorite preachers of all time, John G. Lake. John G. Lake said this. He says, if a man shuts his teeth and says, I go with God this way, it's like, then that's when victory has come. It's, it's the moment that we say, we've given our life to this. That's when victory happens. So, so, so what? it's like, well, how do you believe for revival in moments like this? Historically, that's what's always happened. Historically, great moves of God have always coincided with with wars, epidemics, pandemics, diseases, sickness. Historically, revival has broken out in the midst of the greatest tragedies the planet has ever seen. So so, so I want to actually just read some. Some of these I sent out the other day. I've actually got a few more than what I sent out. But Pentecost is in Jerusalem. Pentecost is in Jerusalem, and it, it follows, I'm sorry, Pentecost in Jerusalem is followed by persecution under Emperor Nero in 64 AD. So here's this outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and right upon the heels of that, Nero starts killing Christians, starts crucifying Christians. By the way, like, if you've ever watched, like, movies like Gladiator and things like that, the most of the people that they would put in the arena were Christians, It was what he did to persecute them. And revival breaks out and the gospel explodes around the globe in the midst of that. And so, like, I think you can look at today and say, there's a globe, there's sickness going around the globe. And this is not a time for us to hide and not rise up. Again, the Lord is looking for companies of men and women to rise up and to begin to shine and live out the stuff that they say that they believe. Amen. How about this one? Um, um, Heard of the Black Death, the Black Plague? Yeah, okay. All right, so Martin Luther, Luther in 1517. Now, the reason why we can gather in this church is because in 1517, Martin Luther said, this is what's wrong with the Catholic Church. and nailed 95 theses on the wall, okay, or on the door of the church. And a lot of it was you can be justified by faith. They used to do stuff like this, that you would pay a penance, or if your loved one would die, the priest would be like, look, you need to you need to pay 100 bucks to get your loved one out of purgatory so they can go to heaven. Like there's all kinds of stuff that they used to do that was really wrong and really crooked. And so in 1517, he does this. Revival starts to break out. And then the town that he lived in in Wittenberg, Gen- uh, Wittenberg Germany, just a few years after that, the Black Death hits his town. There's stories of Martin Luther and his wife opening up their home to people who were sick. There's actually, I read an account this morning that shows Luther's wife holding someone that was dying of the black plague and holding her and praying for her. Now, I'm like, I I got so convicted even thinking about it. I'm not suggesting you do that. I'm just saying this is what happened and the gospel spread and Luther and his wife did not get sick. All right, I I just think it's, it's just absolutely incredible. So the Protestant Reformation, which we are all part of a Protestant church, what the Lord did in that time, we are living in the fruit of that right here and right now. How we respond could affect 500 years from now. The first great awakening in the 1730s and 40s is followed by the Revolutionary War. And so here's this this move of God, and it points out that there's injustice because of of religious persecution and separation from England. And so the Revolutionary War breaks out. And I'm going to go on, all right? The Second Great Awakening happened in uh, 1795 to 1835. It's followed by the American Civil War. You know what the Second Great Awakening did? It ended slavery. Because men and women of God saw that there was an injustice and the Lord poured his spirit out. Now, I don't believe the Lord desired all those men and women to die in battle. I don't believe that for a moment. But I believe it led to that war because the Lord moved. And they said, this is injustice. And the Lord desires to release justice and mercy. And so when the Lord pours himself out, it always brings social reform and social change. All right? So another instance would be this. The Azusa Street Revival in 1906 to 19, through 1914, really, was followed by World War I the Holy Spirit poured out, war breaks out. So again, it's opportunity for the gospel to spread and, 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 World War I, the Nazi regime was not for Christianity or Judaism. We'll just say that right there. I won't go too much into the history. Uh, here, here's, here's another one. John G. Lake, I just quoted him a minute ago saying that the moment you grit your teeth and say, I go with God, that means that's when victory has come. John G. Lake was probably the greatest healing evangelist of the last 200 years and had the greatest healing ministry. There was a, there's accounts that like he went over to Africa on, by a word of faith. But there's this story. John G. Lake, after he left Africa came back home he set up healing rooms where they literally had storefronts in Spokane Washington where they just prayed for sick people they would do worship and they say we're open today to lay hands and pray for you newspaper actually news uh, the new I think it was the New York Times the New York Times actually declared Spokane Washington the healthiest city in the United States during this time period from 1914 to 1920 now what was going on during 1914 to 1920 the Spanish flu was running rampant across the the globe. Whoa, (laughs) right? There's actually, they have written testimonies that during this time period that over 100,000 people were actually physically healed by the Lord through this person's ministry during this time period. I'm saying like... (sighs) It's, it's, just, it's just incredible. Uh, let's do another one. Uh, the Voice of Healing Movement. And some of it's a little weird theology. Some of it's actually really good. And we'll throw out the bad and just keep the good for this sake. But 1940s and 50s, that's when that broke out. And at the exact same time, World War II is going on. Why we're having the actual, that was kind of the origination of, of like the big tent meetings. Just all these people getting hit. hit, That's when Oral Roberts was laying hands on people. And they said that like 40% of people that were in his meetings that were sick got touched. And they think that that was one of the greatest proportions anyway. Let's fast forward a little bit. How about Vietnam era? That's a fun one. Vietnam's going on. The hippie movement's going on. Radical liberalism. Radical free love and sex. All that stuff's going on during that time. And at that time, there was a movement amongst the hippies that started out called the Jesus Movement and was getting people to turn their gaze back to Jesus. So again, what I'm saying is this, in moments of crisis, in pandemics, wars, tragedy, the Lord always moves. Always, always, always moves. All right? I I would argue right now that, that that we're in the midst of a move of the Lord where he's establishing kingdom families all across the globe that the apostolic and the prophetics being restored in his church in a not a weird and perverse way and and like he's been doing this the last 15 20 years in the last 15 to 20 years we have had all kinds of stuff happen Y2K scare right or if you saw all the memes about all the sicknesses that happened the last bit like the last Two decades swine flu, I don't I mean all kinds of stuff I'm'm I'm losing, I'm losing train of thought what I, what all I had memorized earlier, but but swine flu, then there's i, I don't know anthrax all, uh, the SARS, h1n1 swine flu I mean there's all kinds of stuff that's happened over the last two decades, and yet the Lord is moving and establishing and establishing houses similar to this that the most important thing about the church is that they value the presence of the Lord above everything else. That's been going on for two decades. Okay? Houses of worship, houses of prayer, Davidic-type houses, the Lord is raising up in this hour and has been. So again, you could look at it like this, like it's doom and gloom and and, and whatever. You know, I mean, you really could. You, you could... You don't have to be prophetic at all to be like, it's bad out there. But you have to be faith-filled to say, you know what? The Lord's going to move in this hour. You have to be hopeful. And I believe the Lord is looking for people right here and right now. This is what's wild. I, I, re- I wish I remembered the statistic, but I'm going to paraphrase this. But I, I referenced September 11th that the greatest Quote-unquote, church attendance day in United States history was that Sunday morning after September 11th. And then they also said that everything went back to, statistically, everything went back to normal the very next Sunday. Statistically, across the board, the very next day. filled normal. I believe... I don't believe the Lord caused that to happen because I don't believe he causes bad things to happen. That's not what I believe. But I believe the Lord wanted to use that what the enemy meant for harm and turn it for good. And the church was given an opportunity. He said, here you go. And, and what happened, I'm not, I'm not sure. I could hypothesize and say there probably wasn't a great enough degree of presence there probably wasn't a great enough degree of hope in the people to keep people there. And so they went back to life as normal. And I'm saying in this moment, in this hour, the Lord wants us to arise and shine and be filled with hope and believe that it's time for it to have an unprecedented outpouring of his Holy Spirit. Look, if, if it, it like, and, and I say an unprecedented move of the Spirit, I'm not talking about good church services. I think good church services are a byproduct of having his Spirit here, okay? And so, like, we can go through the rigmarole. We can do everything the exact same right way. We could, we could get it down to a science, but the Lord does not desire us to get it down to a science the lord desires to pour himself out to where the broken walk in and they get saved and touched right the lord desires to pour himself out to where the sick walk in and they're broken and crippled and they walk in and they get healed right he's desiring for us to feed widows orphans he's desiring us to live out the gospel and i'm saying right here and right now is that time and so it's like what do we what do we do when it's getting bad out there we continue to trust in the Lord. We continue to hope in the Lord. That's, ex- I mean, I, I don't know how else to say it. We just need to keep hoping and believing and trusting and not being like, it's bad, it's bad, it's bad. Well, no kidding. The news is telling us it's bad. And we ought to be saying, behold the Lamb of God who has come to take away the sins of the world. That's what He's looking for in this hour, folks. <laughs> huh. He's raising up a people who want His presence only. He is raising up a people that believe His Word. And again, not just memorize the Word. Like I remember, I memorized the Lord's Prayer when I was that tall. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. I memorize i sat playing in sports and it never meant anything to me the lord is desiring us to get the word out of our memorization and down into our hearts where we actually begin to believe it and live it out right the lord in this hour is desiring to raise up people that begin to pray and intercede and begin to change the father's heart and begin to change the situations that's here on the earth and i'm saying right now the lord is asking will you answer that call like and Now, I, I'm, it's like, well, we're a, we're a small group. That's okay. He uses small groups of people to change the planet. He always, always does. But when the small groups say, we're going to go after this, and we're going to believe it to be the truth, you know what he always does? He always makes that small group a bigger group. It's like, what's your church, church growth strategy? Like, one, uh, makes me sick to think about that. My growth strategy is getting more of him. My strategy is us praying together as a family. This week we'll be on the phone, but you know what? The same degree of presence will be in that phone room as the throne room. That was a preacher. I love that. That was good alliteration. wasn't even on purpose. He's asking. Again, that's why I felt so strong when I prayed that during that response time, during the middle of the worship. Things will not go back to normal tomorrow. can't. Now, some of you all, you'll be like, you'll stumble, you'll fall. I get it. Get back up. Get back up. Keep going after them. Keep going after him. Keep going after him. Keep going after him. I don't have it figured out yet. <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> but I know who does. I know who does. So I, I, think, I think that's good. I'd just like to pray. By the way, I could have listed about 15 other moves of the Lord That are a little bit smaller level, but they're significant moves of God that coincided with something bad that happened. Remember a few years ago when the gas attacks happened in Japan? Does anyone else remember that? Like the subway attacks? A move broke out among house churches during that time, they exploded. People coming into the kingdom. That's why, that's why, by the way, that's why revival is going on in China right now in the midst of extreme persecution. Because they get squeezed. And what happens when you get squeezed, those that don't really believe fall away. But those that really do believe become more convinced of what they do believe. And when you become more convinced of what you do believe, you convince other people to believe what you believe. <laughs> it's just, It's amazing. So anyway, you could go on and on. I'm just saying we can use this as an opportunity to believe the Lord's going to do something wonderful in this hour. Amen. All right. So, Father, I, I pray right now. <laughs> I pray right now. That you begin to fill people with hope all around the room. Yeah, I pray you fill people with hope all around the room, Lord. Fill people with confidence in your goodness, Lord. Lord. that during prayer some ch- trust in horses and chariots but we will trust in the name of our Lord we, we trust in you Jesus so I pray you fill people with hope I actually I, I pray Lord the moment we start to get down and pessimistic and our faith starts to dwindle, I pray you make us nauseous to the point where we're like I better get my hope back up <laughs> fill people with hope and confidence in you Lord fill us with a, a spirit of prayer during this time Lord to pray for our leaders the President he declared it a national day of prayer today Lord Lord so we we partner with him and praying that you move in this situation. Whether you agree with them or not, we should honor our leaders. And so, so, Jesus, would you begin to move in this situation? I'm asking, Lord, you not only help us to arise and shine, but I'm asking that you eradicate the virus, God. I'm praying, Lord, that the predictions are nowhere close to being right, God. I, I pray sick people begin to hop up in their beds, God. I, I pray symptoms begin to go away, Lord. I, I pray places like Italy and France begin to open everything back up, God. I, I would just pray you begin to end this thing right here and right now, Jesus. I do, I pray you begin to end it right here and right now, God. let this not be a long drawn out thing lord I, I lord i i I personally feel like you 've shaken us enough to the things that Needed shook, got shook, and the things that remain remain. So, Lord, would you would you just go ahead and begin to bring an end to this, Jesus? And Lord, I I say on I say for on behalf of myself and my family, like we will serve you, we will serve the Lord. We won't shrink back because you answered a prayer, and we're not going to settle into things as normal. We're not going to settle into things that were usual, Lord. We're going to keep pressing in and going after you. And Lord, I I, I would pray for an impartation of faith in here tonight as well God uh, Lord I don't I don't I don't want to have to muster up faith when I go through a situation I want faith before I have a situation that way the situation doesn't phase me God that way I don't have to call and say I'm hurting on this that, that or the other I can say you know what the Lord lives in me I've seen a move once I'm going to see a move again Lord I, I pray you give us a type of faith God where we have we recognize the truth it's in Revelation 19.10 which says that the, that the testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy that the move of Jesus in and through his people is the spirit of prophecy that the move of Jesus when he walked the planet is the spirit of prophecy so in other words if we've seen or heard about him doing it once he wants to do it again and he wants to do it again and he wants to do it again and he wants to do it again I, I pray Lord for that kind of confidence and that kind of faith Oh. I pray for a, a, an impartation of, of faith in your goodness, God. You're not a vindictive father. You're a good father. <laughs> I pray we trust in your goodness, Lord. I pray that we trust that you're working all things out together for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. I, I pray that we. I pray we don't add things to your resume in which you never did, Jesus. Hmm. I say, just touch us, God. Touch us, Lord. I thank you for the opportunity to live out what we believe. (laughs) I thank you for that opportunity, Lord. I say, Lord, just come right here and right now. I pray right now. uh, He's here. Wow. I pray right now, even in the room, those that are dealing with sickness. I pray you begin to touch people. I pray, Lord, you begin and without even lay. Listen here. You don't even have to have hand lades on you for Jesus to heal you. OK, so I pray right here. Come on in. You can sit down, guys. I pray right here and right now, God, that you begin to touch achy joints. And I, I, I don't even. I saw this when I walked in this morning and I don't know how to explain it other than I saw achy knees and elbows and backs it was like I, it was like arthritis was so bad that you had problems moving around. I say, Lord, go ahead and touch them right here and right now. I believe that's what you want to do. I pray for more mobility, Lord, more mobility. Lord, I, I pray for those that have been suffering from stress headaches over stuff right here and right now. I say, Lord, begin to remove those headaches and those migraines, Lord. I'll even confess, Lord, I've had anxiety headaches. Lord, no more anxiety, no more headaches, Lord, in Jesus name. In Jesus' name, and I say, Lord, this sickness. I say, if it touches the Perkins residence, it does not have permission to live; it shall die. I say, Lord, if it touches any residence, <laughs> whether they're whether they're houses, apartments, or even mobile homes that we or mobile homes and vehicles, God, that will not live when it touches our our residence. Jesus. Uh oh, some of you struggle when I say that. That's okay. I believe for you. Hmm. So I thank you, Lord, for what you've done. I bless you, Lord, for what you've done. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray this morning. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. We just bless you, Lord.